Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Good morning, church. I hope you all are doing well. Happy New Year. It's good to have you guys here. Let's give a hand to our worship team for doing a great job. Thank you for leading us. We want to pray for Daniel, who was our scheduled keyboard player who's homesick. Daniel, we love you. We pray you get better. And I was honored to just step in. How many of you guys went out of town over the holidays? I'm just kind of curious for Christmas or New Year. Not that many in this service, a lot more in first service. My wife and I got to go up to Pennsylvania to see our two different families, which are the Poconos and the Pittsburgh area. And we flew into New York City on Christmas Day. So we had an amazing Christmas Eve service here. Again, I'm curious, how many of you were here on Christmas Eve? I'm trying to gauge. We're pretty full today. A lot of you guys weren't here. It was definitely our last single Christmas Eve service because we added 50 seats in this room and 50 seats in the foyer and opened that wall, and it was completely full. It was a lot of fun. We'll never do it again uh, just, just because it was too much, but it was great. And let me just give a pitch right now for our first service because we have to make room, so help a church out. Some of you guys prayerfully just shift on over to the more spiritual service. They're a little bit more repentant, a little bit more full. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We do need people to prayerfully consider that. We're going to keep putting more chairs in here to facilitate uh, this service. But thank you, guys. Um, We had a wonderful Lost Angels toy giveaway on Christmas Day as well. It was amazing serving the underserved in our city. And an awesome New Year's Day last week where Pastor Oscar brought a great message and James led in worship. Thank you, guys, for blessing us. I'm really glad we did that service. And we're going to continue our Life in the Spirit series today. We're asking the question today, what does it look like to be a church filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a message that I share some version of at the beginning of every year. I learned a lot of it from one of my mentors named Rod Loy, and I want to start with this principle. There's no such thing as a perfect church. Here are some real contradictory complaints slash suggestions that I've gotten from church members over the years, and this is not about any of you in here, so don't worry. You need to turn all the lights up in worship because you can't worship God in the dark. He is light. And then basically, in the same breath from someone else, you need to turn the lights down in worship because you have to create a sense of anonymity for people to be free and connect with God. Here's another one. You need to do more altar calls, Pastor Nathan, so people can get saved. And then from another person, you do too many altar calls. You're putting too much pressure on people. And then even better, I don't like how you did that altar call at all. And then this is a really common one. It's too hot in the sanctuary from 10 people. And then from another 10 people, it's too cold in the sanctuary. Um, This is a big one. There's no coffee allowed in the sanctuary because it's disrespectful versus I won't even go to a church unless they have good coffee available. (laughs) I remember going up to a gentleman my first year here at Graceland Church, lovely, lovely man of God, now home with Jesus. And I didn't really know him that much yet, and I offered him a coffee. I said, can I get you a coffee, my friend? And he looked, back, he looked up at me like this, like in shock, and he was like, I'm not here for coffee. I'm here for the Lord. And I was like, okay, sir, I'm glad you're here for the Lord. You don't have to have coffee, and I just kind of slowly walked away. <laughs> Another person once came in to bring their tithe check uh, during COVID, which I was thankful for, so they came in. They handed me an envelope and kind of, I I reached out to grab it. And people don't, I don't take the tithes, you know what I mean? It doesn't come through me, but this person came in, so I would just go drop it off in the safe. But before he let go of it, he just kind of held it. So we were both holding on to the tithe envelope. 
And then he looked at me in the eyes and he said, pastor, look at me. And so I'm like, okay. And he said, you did communion recently where you dip it in the juice, which we tried like one time here at Graceland Church pre-COVID. And he said, if you do communion by dipping the bread and the juice, the Lord will remove his presence from this church and you will never have revival. And I was like, oh, really? And can you show me that in scripture? <laughs> and he went on to tell me all these things and he, he was trying to help me out. And so I just kind of graciously said, thank you. Um, I, I didn't make any commitments to him that he would never do it again. And he, he left his check and, and went home. And it's, I could share a lot more than that That's the very mild version, but the principle is there's no such thing as a perfect church, and the pastoral joke is if you find a perfect church, as soon as you go there, it won't be perfect anymore. (laughs) True story. That's including me as a pastor. Since we can't be perfect, we have to learn to work together to find and follow God's plan for his church. The church is created by God for God, and it is his. And with that thought in mind, our goal has to become to be the church God created, to please him in what we are becoming and what we are doing. So your quest and my quest should be to be a biblically functioning community, a healthy church that fulfills the purposes of the church as laid out in scripture. I like to say it this way, our dream and God's desire for Graceland Church is to be a healthy church. Our dream is not to have a certain amount of people attend here. We don't have number goals in mind. Our dream is not to build some great building. Our dream is not to get to a certain financial point. Our our dream is not to become an it church in the community. God will do whatever he wants with us as we focus on being healthy. But it begs the question, what does healthy look like? And what we're going to do today is we're going to dive in again to the book of Acts chapter 2, where the church was birthed. If you don't know the history of the church, this is absolutely incredible. But Jesus had his disciples that rolled with him for three years. Then Jesus gave up his life for us on the cross. You've probably heard that. He took all of our sin and shame and guilt and death and darkness upon himself. He overcame death in the grave, rose again, so he is now the risen Christ. And then he said to his disciples that were many more than 12 at that point, there are about 120 of them at this particular moment. He said, stay here in Jerusalem. I'm going back to my father in heaven, but he's gonna give you a gift called the Holy Spirit. And he said, this gift is so good that you should be glad that I'm leaving because they were mourning the fact that Jesus was saying, peace out. And so there, he's saying, this gift is coming your way. Hang out here. In Acts chapter two, we see the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And one of the big differences, let me give you a little theological framework and understanding here. One of the big differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament, of course, we have the age where the law is given in the Old Testament. We have the age of grace where it is fulfilled in Christ. But also, every time you see someone in the Old Testament prophesying like the, like the major and minor prophets, or anytime it says the Holy Spirit came on them and they did something, it was the Holy Spirit coming upon them and doing work through them. But in the New Testament, we see for the first time ever because of Christ, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. God in us, through us, that is us in the new covenant. And the church that was birthed in the book of Acts is the same church that we're a part of today. All the different denominational names and the different local churches, 
Nothing necessarily wrong with those, but any of us that are really trying to be healthy and know and follow Jesus are a part of that same church that we started in Acts chapter two. There is, real no name, there is no real name for it, except it is the church of Jesus. It's his church. And in Acts two, chapter 42, we see a description that really helps us with 12 ways to be a healthy church, 12 ways that, that are evidence to us that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and becoming the church that God has called us to be. It says in verse 42 of chapter two of Acts, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Number one, a healthy church is a learning church. If you want Graceland Church to be a little bit healthier this year, yes, pray, yes, serve, yes, be a part of things, but devote yourself to scripture. If you devote yourself to scripture and become a little healthier, we all get healthier because we're all the church. Tracking with me? This is why we preach from God's word. We emphasize God's word. We do things like Bible reading plans. There's one that I use, which is bibleinoneyear.org, if you're interested. I don't even have it on screen, but bibleinoneyear.org with a pastor named Nikki Gumbel, who's out of London, England. I do it each year. They have an audio version. I listen to it on my drives. They have a, a, a longer version and a shorter version and a youth version. It's phenomenal. It's just ways to maintain the posture of treasuring the word of God. We must control and curate the voices that we listen to, right? If we're not careful, we accidentally are letting ourselves get actually formed and discipled by the world around us more than by God's word. And there's nothing wrong with, I love all kinds of music. I don't listen to just Christian music per se, because, you know, what does that mean? God created music, it's all his. But if we listen all the time to music that has a horrible message and is incredibly vulgar and, and, and starts impacting us, it's gonna shift us more than we realize. It's gonna form us. And if we listen to that more than we fill our hearts and minds with scripture, we're being more discipled by that than God's word. Same with podcasts, same with any form of entertainment, same with friends, Whatever voices we're listening to, we need to learn to treasure his word. Because make no mistake about it, you are being discipled. You got to choose what you're going to allow to disciple you. It should be scripture, and it should be men and women of God that we trust. And some of them should be right here in this church family. This is why during our 21 Days of Hope that Heather mentioned earlier, it starts tomorrow. I hope you'll all be a part of it in some way. It goes for 21 days after that. Um, I believe in reading books additionally to scripture as well by great men and women of God. And Jim Cimbala, who wrote Fresh Faith, is just a fantastic stir to your faith. So I hope you'll go uh, download or buy Fresh Faith. All of those resources, I know I'm giving you a lot of like practical links, but all of those resources are at gracelandchurch.com slash hope. Links to that book, a video about fasting, all kinds of stuff. Check it out there. Reading on in verse 32, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. We don't use the word fellowship a lot in our day and age. Like, I don't say to my wife, hey, hon, I just want to go fellowship with the guys for a while. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not really in our vernacular so much. It just means to spend time with people. That's all the word fellowship means. The church is meant to be devoted to spending time together. That's part of why we commit to gatherings like this. This first service commits to a gathering like that. And then outside of actual church services, there are a million beautiful ways that you guys connect as the body of Christ every single week. And it is wonderful. But I know this, 
We must intentionally devote ourselves to it or it will not happen. And we suffer when we're in isolation and we heal when we're in community, always. We get hurt in community too. That's why sometimes people resist it. But community is the only place where we find healing. And you'll notice this in your life. When you are struggling, when you are maybe resisting God or giving into some temptations or struggling with your thoughts or whatever may be going on, you tend to want to isolate. Anybody with me? If I was left to my own devices and my own sinful ways, I would just shrivel up away in some corner somewhere by myself. We heal when we come out into the light together. You don't have to have everything together to do that. You do it as you are, right? That's the beauty of the body. But I wanna challenge you this year, devote yourself to learning scripture, devote yourself to the fellowship. And the second principle is simple. A healthy church is a loving church. We grow in love as we spend time together. And I'm not gonna teach this piece now, but I'm just gonna mention it. I talked about it last month. It's very hard to grow in love for others if you do not love yourself. And that starts with loving God and letting him reshape how you see yourself. And I wanna encourage you guys to lean into that this year. Love God and love others as yourself. I don't want you to give in to the voice of the enemy in your mind and maybe even your own just self-hatred voice that sometimes arises. Do not give in to that. Keep the fight going to live into who God says you are. It's one of the most important fights of your life. Reading on in verse 42. So they are devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Number three, a healthy church is a praying church. We talk about this in marriage counseling and in just healthy relationships, but communication is key, right? Prayer is our communication with God. How can we be a healthy church if we're not a praying church? And if you want us to grow healthy, you start praying more. You start listening to God more. You start pouring your heart out to God more. Again, the 21 days of hope, that's what it's designed to be. When you fast, like let's say, I'll just give you an example. Tomorrow, I'm gonna fast at least one meal each day throughout the 21 days. This is what I'm gonna do. So I'm not doing no food for 21 days. Um, I'm also gonna fast uh, some things in media uh, that are in my life. And every time I fast one of those meals, and this is what I'll encourage you to do, I'm gonna spend some time in scripture. I'm gonna spend some time writing about what I believe God is saying to me. I'm gonna spend time just praying, seeking God. I'm gonna spend time reading that book, Fresh Faith, a little bit. I'm gonna save the money. I'm gonna calculate what I would have saved on that meal, and I'm gonna commit that to the offering on January 29th that's going to clean water. And let me just give you this clarification about fasting, because I fell victim to this all the time as a kid. I'm a pastor's kid, fourth generation pastor's kid. I grew up on a pew, you know what I mean? I was born on a pew, basically. And that was supposed to get a laugh. No one's, are you guys with me? I was born on a pew, no response. Um, I misunderstood fasting a lot as a kid because usually when you think of fasting, you think I'm gonna now do more to get more from God or to somehow be holier. And I just wanna share this clarification with you. Fasting is less about trying really hard to get God to do things for you. And it's more about connecting with what he has already done. And to keep that really simple, think of these two words. Fasting is less about trying and more about connecting. You see, the Lord has done it. You, you can't get more saved by fasting. You can't get more holy. You can't get God to somehow answer your prayers more. You can't get God to do more for you than he's already done through fasting. What it does is it transforms our perspective. It focuses our attention on him and allows us to step into what he has done through Christ and step into the promises of the Spirit. Are you guys tracking with me on that? 
That's where it starts. And the reason that's so important is because a lot of times when people start a fast, they don't realize spiritual warfare is gonna increase. So usually when you start a fast, things get harder first. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And when things get a little harder, sometimes you make mistakes. So on day one of the fast, like tomorrow, let's say you get a little frustrated with with someone and you maybe lose your temper a little bit. Then you're like, oh man, this whole fast is blown, right? (laughs) I just need you to accept the fact you are going to fail in some ways through this fast. It does not make you a perfect specimen, but you need to come back to saying, no, 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 this fast is not about me being perfect. It's about connecting with the one who is perfect and paying attention to that and then living into that more. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance, right? So that we connect with his kindness. We connect with who he is and what he has done. That begins to transform our life. And fasting fixes our attention on that. Are you guys with me on this? So just get it through your head right now. You're gonna fail still tomorrow. Something's gonna happen. You're not gonna be all of a sudden a sinless creature, right? But don't stop the fast. Don't stop seeking God. Don't stop clinging to truth. Don't stop connecting. Are you with me? All right, that's the 21 days of hope. Reading on in verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe, scripture says. They were not in awe of themselves. They were filled with awe about what God was doing. A healthy church is a humble church. The more we connect with the truth of God, the more we see his hand at work, the more we get the dose of our role in the story, which is small. The Lord has done it all. You're incredibly significant, but God is the one who has done it all. And I'm gonna quote uh, my mentor, Pastor Rod Loy, one of my mentors. He said this, and I pray this as well. I pray often, God, this is your church. Show us your way. Thanks for allowing me to lead your church for this period of time. Thanks for allowing us to work together with you. But God, this is not our church. This is not my church. This is your church. Everything we have comes from you. Everything we have belongs to you. I am in awe at what you do through us. He goes on to say, did you hear what I said? This is not my church. It doesn't matter what I want. We do a lot of things I don't wanna do. We sing songs I don't like. This is not your church. It doesn't matter what you want. The goal is not to make any one person happy. This is God's church. We want to obey and follow his will and his plan for his church. If we follow my plan or your plan for his church, we are in trouble. That leads to Acts 2, 43. They're in awe of the wonders and signs that God is doing through the apostles. Number five, a healthy church is a supernatural church. Something is supernatural when God does something we cannot do. It's called a miracle. So every time someone is set free from an addiction, supernatural. Anytime a relationship in our life is restored, supernatural. Anytime we offer forgiveness to someone who has hurt us, supernatural. Anytime we're healed physically, emotionally, mentally, supernatural. Anytime we're walking in peace when our life still feels like a mess, supernatural. And I was thinking this morning as I was praying through this, the fact that we're alive, supernatural. We couldn't do this for ourselves. The fact that we're sitting here breathing, evidence of a healthy church is becoming more and more aware of the supernatural all around us and being full of the Holy Spirit and allowing him to continue to do his miracles through us. When we pray for someone to be healed, we pray by faith in Jesus' name. 
as if Jesus himself is praying. Whatever happens with that is completely the Lord's. I believe that everyone who's in Christ will be healed at some point. I don't know when it is. It could be after they're dead. New body, new heavens, new earth. Our healing is guaranteed. The timing is not up to us. So we can pray with all boldness that his will for us is to flourish and be healed. But it doesn't mean that they're gonna be healed right now. It doesn't mean that we're gonna be healed right now, but we hold to the promise of new life. Anybody tracking with me? It's a supernatural life he has called us to. Sometimes he doesn't do the miracle that we want right now because he uses our faith and our peace to lead a whole bunch of people to himself through our response to it. There are all kinds of things that God is doing that we don't understand. So we can trust him with supernatural peace. Reading on, uh, is it warm in here? Can you turn the, the air up a little bit, Oscar? Speaking of complaining, I mean, <laughs> it feels a little warm to me. By the way, <clears throat> while they do that, let's hear it for Oscar and Lauren. Yep, air, pillars of our church. Please be praying uh, if you could. I'm gonna come back to this message in a minute, but I can feel my voice struggling. Uh, did a lot of talking yesterday because I'm married to my wife and she always wants to talk. I... True story. Preach a couple times today. I've got counseling. I have an unusual Sunday. I've got counseling this afternoon, and I'm preaching at another church tonight that, I, that we've been helping. Uh, that's a church plant. Um, so if you could, when you think about it, pray for my voice, because I'm feeling it right now, thinking about the rest of the day. So I might dial back my, my passion through my voice. Don't worry, I'm not falling asleep. Reading on in verse 44, it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. So this church that was full of the Holy Spirit, had a wonderful sense of unity, so much so that they were sharing everything they had as we're about to see. Number six, a healthy church is a unified church. Jesus cares deeply about his church being one, so much one that we are like the oneness that he has with his father. I take this moment to share a little bit about our governance so you know that this is how we function here. I always share this at Newcomers Connect and with uh, new members, but our governance functions like this. We are all under the shepherd of the church, which is Jesus, right? I am an under shepherd under Jesus. He is the one. He is the shepherd of his sheep. And I have a calling as a pastor to partner in his shepherding to some degree, but I am the under shepherd under him. It is his church. And then we have pastors and staff and leaders that we are guided by that lead the ministries of our church here and determine our direction. And then we have a board of trustees that are elected that we are guarded by financially. And we have an annual in the spring business meeting that you'll hear about in the coming months where those uh, trustees are elected and ratified because they rotate and you get a financial report and anyone's welcome to that meeting. Members have voice and vote at that meeting. We're strengthened by our overseers, which are three external pastors that aren't part of our church that give another level <clears throat> of accountability. Rod Loy, who I've mentioned a few times in this sermon, pastors a wonderful church in Arkansas. He's a longtime mentor of mine. He's one of our overseers. Rich Guerra oversees the Southern California District of the Assemblies of God, another longtime mentor of mine who's one of our overseers. And um, Billy Patterson, who uh, actually used to pastor in this area, um, at People's Church, um, which is now Church of the City, where my friend, great church where my friend Darren 
pastors, and uh, Darren and uh, a bunch of others were leading the youth ministry when my friend Billy Patterson is over there. He's one of our overseers here. He's now in Texas. They'll all be with us at various times, and those are the guys who can spank me, like if I need a spanking, you know what I mean? Like if I, if I go off the rail, they have full authority to do whatever they got to do to me, including fire me or get me out of here, and they would then work with our board of trustees on whatever would be next, and they would take care of our church, and then we live as a family on mission together. So that's our governance structure uh, given very quickly. Thank you, Samuel. Let's give Samuel a hand. Hook me up. One of the keys to unity is a principle that we resolve conflict biblically. So Jesus taught that to resolve conflict biblically is to go to the person you have a problem with and only them to talk with them in an attitude of love and forgiveness. Here at Graceland Church, we like using the term being current So I tell our staff regularly, and I'll tell you guys right now, my commitment is to be current with you. So if and when I have a problem with Oscar, I talk to Oscar. I don't talk to Stephen about it. I don't talk to Rob about it. I don't talk to 10 of you over here about it. I talk to Oscar about it, and I ask him to do the same with me. And it's laid out in Matthew chapter 18. And I'm going to read to you um, a quote from Rod Loy again. This will be the last time I mention him in this sermon Uh, but I know I'm mentioning him a lot today. But I want to read you a full quote from uh, this mentor of mine, Rod Loy, because it's better if he says it and I don't say it. You can be angry at him and not me after I read this quote. But it's about gossip and um, not handling things correctly, and those things destroy churches. They absolutely destroy churches, and it's harder and harder as churches get bigger and bigger. So God's blessing us in this growth season, and we need to learn this lesson repeatedly. Let me read to you. Here's the challenge. Rod says, as our church grows, his church is about 5,000 or so over in Arkansas. As our church grows, I don't hear everything. I don't hear a lot of things. I don't hear most things. So we all have to be committed to confronting unhealthy, dysfunctional habits and conversations that are sinful and harm God's church. How do you confront it? First, refuse to listen. Refuse to be a listening ear to griping, gossiping complainers that want to talk to you about others instead of going to the person they're talking about. If no one will listen, gossips who refuse to obey God's commands and repent will either shut their mouths or go somewhere else. Either option is fine with me. (laughs) Second, kindly confront. When someone starts to talk to you about Oscar, we'll use him as an example. (laughs) If someone comes to you to complain about Oscar, stop them and say, have you talked to Oscar about that? I'm sure you intend to, so I'll let you go ahead and do that instead of talking to me. I love you, but if I listen to you, I am participating in your sin and risk God's judgment. I respect God too much to listen to you. He goes on to say, but Pastor Rod or Pastor Nathan, if I say that, they'll get mad at me. They might, but you won't have to listen anymore. I've learned over the years Most of the people who complain about gossip are themselves guilty. And I want to caution you, resolving conflict biblically doesn't always mean you get your way, that you win. Often, healthy biblical conflict resolution begins with you admitting you're wrong. Can we just thank Pastor Rod for those words? It's biblical. I love 1 Peter 4, 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And I'm telling you, anywhere you see a healthy family or a healthy church family or even just a healthy group of friends, they have learned to resolve conflict biblically and they have learned to allow love to cover a multitude of sins. 
my dad used to tell me growing up, and not in a, a joking way, but in a serious way, and not in an unhealthy way, but in a beautiful way. The definition of a healthy family is love covers over a multitude of sins. That's what it is. We forgive each other. Scripture says that love keeps no record of wrongs. I guarantee everyone in this room is tempted every day to keep a record of wrongs about someone, and we must deal with that. And we will go one of two ways as a church. We will, become a, we will either become more and more unhealthy as we grow because it's out of control, or we will lean into the biblical principles and we will f- contend for a healthy culture. You guys tracking with me on this? I had two just this week uh, meetings that I had to do in order to be current with people. No one that's in the room, so you don't have to wonder. <laughs> you don't have to wonder if it was you. But I had two nights where I was up for hours over my Christmas break when we were in Pennsylvania, and I just had something gnawing at me. And if something hits that point with me, I've got to talk to the person. I've just, and I hate doing it. I don't want to talk with them. I don't want to have hard conversations. If you want to confront people and have hard conversations with, like that, I have another sermon for you <laughs> later, <laughs> you know? If you want it, you know, that's different. We can, let's talk. I'll pray with you for a gentle spirit. None of us generally like this, right? We don't want to have to be confrontational with people we love, but we must learn it. You guys that are married, let me ask you a question. I bet you the healthiest seasons of your marriage have come after your hardest conversations. Anybody track with that? It's almost always true. When you're just like honeymoon phase, you just haven't dealt with stuff. That's true of church too. So don't be surprised when we've got to get down and dirty together and talk about some really tough stuff so that we can move towards health. Everybody with me on it? A healthy church is a unified church. It goes on to say in verse 45, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. A healthy church is a generous church. Generosity is not about what or how much you have. It's not about once I get a lot, then I'll be generous. It's always about what we do with what we have now. And it's not just about money. It's about how we think of our time, our resources. And it's a good moment to report to you. Our Christmas offering is now, actually after, <clears throat> after first service, I gave the update of $57,140. That's amazing. And then a few people in first service, um, I think there's an over, almost another 12,000 has come in since first service. Yeah, so praise God for that. Our goal was 120,000, which I always smile when I say it because it's just a faith goal. I gotta tell you, a church of a few hundred people, which is what we are, um, and, and a lot of those few hundred are like very new and really new people, it takes a while to give, and I understand that. And we're in economic uncertainty right now. So every church all over the place, because I'm friends with all these pastors, um, the, the December and November months were much lower than what they normally are. Most of the givers that sometimes give really big aren't able to quite as much. A lot of people are a little nervous about where the economy is going. So the fact that our little family church that God's blessing and growing has given around $70,000 to a Christmas offering for the sake of debt reduction and for the sake of our benevolence fund, which is how we meet needs for people, the sake of our recovery fund and our expansion fund is a miracle. So thank you guys for your faithfulness. It doesn't bother me at all that it's not at that 120 yet. And I don't know, someone right now might do a $50,000 check. If that's you, go for it. Like, we'll take it. (laughs) We wrap up the offering today and our posture, of course, we just trust the Lord. But thank you guys for your generosity there. It's the link is still up on the website if anybody wants to give and you can you can drop anything in the Dropbox afterwards. Reading on. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Eight, a healthy church is a committed church. Committed. They didn't just meet once a week. They met every day. Now, I'm not proposing that we do that, but I do want to encourage you, be committed and devoted to gathering as a church. It is for your benefit, and it's for our benefit. I am here because I need it and because you need me to be here, right? You are here. I'll talk about Phil. Phil is here because he needs it, and I need him to be here. And some people around him need him to be here. Are you guys tracking with me? There's a multi-layered, beautiful reasons why commitment to gathering with the church family is essential and beautiful. And then not just that, I want to encourage everyone in the room to make a connection point beyond just a Sunday service. Find a team to serve on. Find a group to join. Don't Sometimes people think we're all set and we have everything we need. We need lots more people on our worship team. I played keyboard today. I'm also preaching. So there might be keyboard players out there that could have stepped in. You know what I mean? We need lots more people in our kids' ministry, hospitality, emergency response team, facility. We've got, you know, 15 or 18 teams or so, and they all need people. So you can use that to serve and meet a need, but also help you stay consistent. And here at Graceland Church, because we have two services, you can serve one and attend one. And we'll help you with your kids. We'll do whatever we got to do to make it work for you. Then I want to read Acts 46 out of the message, because I love how Eugene Peterson put this. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful. You guys know this. When a healthy church gets together, it's supposed to be a celebration. It should be joyful. It should be fun. A healthy church is a fun church. It's okay to have fun in church. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to be silly. I'm so glad we have kids being silly all over the place. If you were at our team appreciation dinner that we did in December, you know we're not afraid to laugh and be crazy. And there is no disconnect between reverence for God and laughter and joy, right? They all come from the Lord. We can laugh in the holiness of God. We can have joy. We can smile. I should be getting more amens. Our goal is to be a fun church, a joyful church. They said they were praising God. A healthy church is a worshiping church church. I love how our our team always teaches us God inhabits the praises of his people. As we worship, he, he, he becomes even more manifest to us in his presence. We see him. We focus on him. We're with him. And it says they enjoyed the favor of all the people. A healthy church is an influential church. If a church is not having impact, it's not healthy. And let me clarify Impact doesn't mean you got to be the biggest or thought of as the best in town. There's no comparison here. Impact means one life changed. Any given time, if someone gets born of the Spirit of God or God does something powerful in one of your hearts today, and that's the only, it's not going to be the only thing, but let's say that's the only thing that comes of all the work that went into these gatherings and everything that went on this week. Huge win. Worth it. Influence. Impact. Health. You guys with me? It's that whole sea, it's that whole starfish illustration. Remember that? There's a million starfish on the seashore and they're all dying and someone's like, how could we possibly save them all? Well, if you save one, you've changed that starfish's world, right? And you just keep doing one at a time. Whatever God wants to do with us size-wise is up to us, but we must be influential making impact. All of that together leads up to the last principle and it's verse 47. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. A healthy church is an outward-focused church. So as we love each other, it can be tempting to grow more and more focused on just each other. But God has called us to leverage everything we are and everything we have for those that don't know Jesus yet, for those that are hopeless around us. 
And I don't want to be a huge downer right now, but it's important to mention these things. Um, I'm not going to say the person's name, but someone in our church family, their sibling, just yesterday out of town tried to take their life. I just got word this morning, got taken to the hospital, at the hospital attempted to take their life again. And so today is chained to their bed, desperate and hurting, and we want to pray for them. I'm not going to share a name right now. I also just got word that another teenage student at Independence took their life last week. We're in a a pandemic of, of brokenness, suicide, things like depression and anxiety. The church is meant to be a place where people can be connected to hope. And we must remain connected to that. I'm going into some counseling this afternoon with people that have gone through unthinkable grief. And the reason I say all this is because the Lord changes people's lives when they get connected to him in the middle of suffering, in the middle of whatever's going on in their world. And we hold the message of reconciliation in our hands. And if we are not outward focused, doing everything we can to share that hope with the world around us, we are failing. Should be a big amen to that. We are on mission together as a church to reach people that are not here. Rich Guerra, one of those overseers, would always tell me, and this has stuck with me so much, we pastor the church that is and the church that is not yet. Right? We are very focused on you and us and what God's doing in us, but we're also very focused on the however many hundreds and thousands of people that are gonna be here over the next 10, 20 years, that God's called us to disciple in the ways of Jesus. And that's also why we're gonna do our first missions trip. Um, Brad Tatum, who's right there in the back, if you could wave, is gonna lead it. I'm gonna be able to go on this trip. We're gonna go into, um, and let me find my notes. Say it, Brad, real quick. The the Mayan Yucatan. And the dates are June 5th through 10th. It's only gonna be about $600 to cover all expenses except the flight. We'd love for you to go. Youth are welcome to go. Um, we'll be sharing more details next week. We're going to be doing things like feeding those that are hungry, providing eyeglasses uh, to the poor, street evangelism, conducting VBSs, doing church services, and we're going to build a new church facility in a coastal area of 6,000 Mayans that has never had a church. So if you want to go, you can talk to Brad, uh, you can talk to me. We want to get it going now so we can raise those funds, but it's looking like only about 1000 bucks per person. So I'm very excited about that. And it's just one of many things that we do to stay focused on the mission of God. As the team comes up, I want to share one last story and then we'll be dismissed. We're going to sing a song and get into the rest of our day and spend some time in prayer together before we go. But when I was in college in Providence, Rhode Island at a little school called Zion, I had a a professor who was a, had been a missionary on the field for decades all around the world, and she was the worst public speaker I've ever heard in my life. She was terrible. Everyone disliked her class. It was totally unengaging. And I just started noticing that while she would share stories about what was happening on the mission field, she wouldn't move at all. She was like stone-faced, but tears would be coming down her cheeks, almost like a, a, a trickling stream nonstop, so much so that her chin was just dripping, and there was a literal puddle on the ground, and she wasn't wiping it. She just talked through it as most of the class didn't even listen. And maybe the other people in the class had the experience I did, but eventually one day, I just tuned into her, and God started speaking to me through this woman. I can't even remember her name, but I started feeling what felt like just waves of the presence of God hitting me as an 18-year-old in that little classroom. And it was the beginning of God just teaching me what is so clear in all of Scripture, which is that the Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. And if you want to walk with the Spirit, you are a missionary. God's going to transform your life as you say yes to the mission of God. 
is calling you to a higher purpose and a higher allegiance than all the other things we think about in our lives. And that comes through us as the church together. And so part of this whole series is inviting you guys into that. And that, that, that last prayer night we're gonna have on January 29th at 5 p.m., we're gonna be here, our worship team's gonna be here. We're gonna pray over each person to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. I hope the whole church will come. Your kids are welcome to be in service. We will have childcare for the littles. But what I wanna do today is stand together and I wanna sing this song again that talks about there will be a day when we see all of the promises of God fulfilled. Lord, we thank you that you have allowed us to be a part of your church. We thank you that you are the faithful one. You are the perfect one. You are the spotless one. You are the holy one. And you have invited us in through this gospel to be a part of your glory, a part of your holiness, a part of what you're doing through your church. And we just confess together, do this with me, church, in your heart. This is your church. Graceland Church belongs to you. We are yours. You are our shepherd. Spirit of God, fill us afresh and lead us onward. That's our commitment as a church family going into this next year. It's also our commitment as individuals. We say yes to following you, Lord. And God, if you're a man or a woman or a young man or a young woman out there that is not a follower of Jesus yet, you can just tell him right now, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to know you. I want to cast my life upon you, all my burdens, all my sin, all my fears and my worries. I lay them at your feet. Forgive me for where I've fallen short, Lord. I commit my life to you. Will you lead me onward? I thank you for forgiveness, for this great salvation. I thank you for a hope and a future. And Lord, if anyone in here is especially suffering, which I just, I, I know we had people in the first service suffering. There's people in our community suffering and hurting. They might never want to tell a soul. But God, as we sing this song, I pray that you'll remind them that in the middle of the things that don't seem consistent right now, the, the prayers that you have not answered, the questions that we don't understand, the things that feel unexplainable, there is still hope. There is an unshakable hope, even in the midst of the questions. And there will be a day where you make all things new. You answer every question. And so fill us with this hope again today. We pray as we sing. Lord, before we go, I just pray your blessing over every person. God, your peace, your grace as we enter this new year. Lord, do what only you can do in their lives and in the life of our church, we pray. Let me pray this benediction and we'll be dismissed. Go in peace, love, and care for one another in the name of Christ. And may the blessing of God, who established heaven and earth, fill your hearts and pour forth from you upon all people. And may the blessing of the Lord call you towards a new tomorrow. And may the blessing of the Spirit who refreshes and renews all creation guide and lead you as you enter this new year in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you guys.